Cloud Talk Live. I'm your host, Jeff Deverter. Now here at Cloud Talk, we strive to help decode the ever-changing world of technology to help you apply it to your business so that hopefully you'll have one more tool in your arsenal to help you improve your business and those around you. Now this recording is from our Cloud Talk Live event, which happens almost every Tuesday and Thursday at 8.30 a.m. Central Time on the Rackspace LinkedIn, YouTube, and Twitter accounts. Be sure to come and watch us there and join the conversation live with us in real time. Your participation helps drive the conversation. Now, let's get on with today's show. Good morning, everyone. That's right. Welcome to a Tuesday morning, everyone. My name is Jeff Deverter, Chief Technology Evangelist, and welcome to Cloud Talk Live. Well, if it's another Tuesday, we must be back. Now, we were off for the past week or so. Last week here in the U.S., it was, uh, well, we were, uh, uh, what do you call that? It was, it was 4th of July. We celebrate American independence. So we were off then, and then the week before, well, I think I was on vacation. So it's been a couple of weeks down. I hope you all are doing great, having a wonderful summer. And I want to re-welcome uh, you back to Cloud Talk Live. Excited to be back. Now, if you want to get a hold of us, I'm going to encourage you to send an email to solve at rackspace.com. It's an easy way to do it. You can also, of course, you know, friend us up over on LinkedIn, where we're probably watching us now. And you can always send a message to me there as well. Now, we've got some really smart people like, uh, like Pankaj and us. Asif, who know the rules of the road, and that is to, well, introduce yourselves. We'd love to know who you are and where you are, because it makes it more fun when we're all hanging out talking together. So, Kapil, welcome uh, to you as well. Thank you so much for introducing yourself. All right. So uh, let's take a look at this, folks. I want to remind you that these audio streams, now more than ever, we had some problems earlier in the year, are showing up in the uh, in the Cloud Talk podcast. Did you, did you know we have a podcast, not just this live stream? Well, if you will go find Cloud Talk and uh, anywhere you can find podcasts, except for, of course, we're calling out Stitcher down there, but they're going away. Pesky Stitcher, got to update my graphics. But you can find us out there and you'll get brand new content that you won't find here on the live stream. For instance, uh, last week I released a podcast with our president uh, here at Rackspace of the public cloud, DK Cena. Great conversation. Talking about his journey to how he got to where he is here at Rackspace. And then uh, releasing on Thursday will be a podcast with Travis Runty and Josh Pruitt. Now those are a couple of Rackers who are now at very senior positions here at Rackspace, but started at among the lowest positions you can have. So if you want to learn a little bit more about how to progress inside of an organization from the low to the high, well, that would be a great podcast to check out. All right, Manish, I'm glad that you are here. We got um, Jorge here. We've got Gustav. Uh, Daniela is here from India. Love that. Thank you so much. Uh, Victory is here from Nigeria. I love that. Uh, Todd Catlett, you're always good to be here. And Sean Gardner, Sean, I've been putting you off for lunch, but I think it's going to happen here. I'm positive it's going to happen, maybe even next week. Anybody else in the San Antonio area want to have a little meetup, maybe get a coffee, get a taco, as we say here in, in, in Texas? Love to have you. All right, let's uh, progress a little. Now, today's conversation, it seems like we hear nothing in the world but all things AI, ML. The world is ending. The world is just beginning. There are so many different things that, that if you're listening to the narrative, it's what you're going to hear. Now, today what we're going to do is we're going to unpack 
unpack a little bit of that. And we're going to start by having a deeper conversation about one of the things that drives AI more than anything else. And that is, of course, the data. I've got to say hi to South Africa, though. Hey, welcome from South Africa. Um, all right. So we are going to, and Pakistan, too. That is so cool. So first, I'm going to bring up onto stage Shwetank Shield. And Shwetank uh, helps actually run all things data for us out of Singapore. So it's the end of his day. But we also have brought along one of our friends from one of our favorite hyperscale partners, Microsoft. Now we have Jubair Patel here. He is a senior solution architect, which means he is in the depths of running all things uh, uh, and, and architecting solutions on the Azure platform. So we're going to get into a conversation, sort of a continuation of a conversation they had in London about a month or so ago at a Gartner conference. Uh, by the way, welcome to address from Morocco. I don't know if we've ever had Morocco here. Namibia is here. So um, actually, Daniel is on vacation right now. Producer Daniel, we've got the, his, his boss, I like to refer to her as. Megan is here. So Megan's producing. Megan, let's go ahead and bring our guests up onto stage and we can get into our conversation. So Shwetank and Jubera, thank you so much for being here and a part of the program today. Thanks for having us, Jeff. Thanks for having us, Jeff. So glad that you're here. Did you have any idea that that Morocco and Namibia and and Pakistan and uh, Soweto were going to be on the call here today on our on our little call? It's the power of AI bringing How everyone together. AI told everybody who needed to be here, and here they are. Thanks for obeying the the technology overlords. Well, this is a, our conversation today really is a continuation, if you will, of the conversation that you guys started when you were in London, what, four or six weeks ago or so, and, and talking at a Gartner conference. And really, it's about that, uh, how to evolve, you know, that data set, how to actually be productive in AI, but first thinking about it from a data point of view. And Shwetank, you here at, at Rackspace. You know, that's a big part of, of, of your role is going out and talking to customers and, uh, and, and helping them realize that it all begins at the data. You know, when you get called in to have a conversation, you know, are people realizing there's a lot of work to be done in the data space before they can do the fancy, you know, generative AI stuff? I, that's a great question, Jeff. And, and yes, and I think, you know, tools like ChatGPD coming into sort of the common parlance have done a lot to educate people to what the power of data can do. And, you know, uh, as as you all on, on, on this have likely seen, everybody's interested in doing things with generative AI and GPD. Lots of people are experimenting with it. And what people are realizing, and, you know, this is what uh, you know, Microsoft has been talking about for a fair bit as well in terms of, you know, data powering AI. And, you know, those are many of the principles of responsible AI come into play around being able to identify what kind of data you have, how unbiased it is, where does it come from? So it is definitely done a lot for educating people about the importance of data. But I think there's a lot more that needs to happen in terms of that actually taking place in organizations and building up these underlying principles and educating folks around how best to do that. Yeah, a lot I want to dig in there, but but Jaber, why don't you, uh, I'd love for you to introduce yourself and uh, tell us a little bit about who you are and how you came to be a senior solution architect over at Microsoft. Thanks a lot, Jeff. Yeah, so my role here at Microsoft is I'm the lead architect for a product group called Microsoft Purview, mm -hmm. which is a product set that looks after a number of different compliance risk and regulatory challenges. But predominantly, one of the things we're seeing the most demand for is data governance, data management, and data security products. 
Uh, it's no surprise that obviously we have so much data moving to the clouds, the data security, data governance, uh, being able to actually use data governance to actually supercharge not just analytics, but now AI. Uh, something we're seeing both from our customers, but internally, and Microsoft's probably one of the biggest data consumers and data providers in the world. Um, but in terms of how we actually govern our data to actually make the right data available to AI at the right time to manage our co-pilots and run our co-pilots is a really important part of how we manage data. Uh, so yeah, it'd be great to talk more about that and how our customers can leverage that same sort of technology. All right, so you said a couple of things I want to unpack there, but but I didn't think we were going to make it, it was going to be this quick, but we, we, you've already dropped the G word, governance. Governance sounds like a weighty government bureaucracy, not going to move fast, painful to go through. Um, I would love for each of you to define what does data governance actually mean? Jaber, we'll start with you. Sure. So. Data governance is a discipline looks at how do you manage data from both a people and a process perspective, but more and more a technology perspective mm -hmm. to ensure that data is both protected, owned, understood, and of fit value for the purpose that it presents to the organization. So from our perspective, more and more, we're looking at data governance as a technology practice. If we yeah. look at our most mature customers and the most mature organizations that are leveraging data governance not just in a defensive stance to try and handle their regulatory or legal requirements around managing data correctly, but more from what we call an offensive stance as well to actually make data more valuable for use in analytics and AI. Those organizations have the understanding of people and process and policy to ensure that the, the idea of data governance is well entrenched in an organization, but more and more data governance becomes a engineering discipline as well. Mm. It's part of how do we actually engineer data? How do we build pipelines? How do we move and migrate data in a well-governed manner and actually make sure that that data is going beyond, okay, it's well-protected and it's well-managed to, hey, I now know where the rest, best version of this data is, how to prevent myself from duplicating data, how to get the best output from data quality or master data management initiatives. All of that starts from a foundation of good data governance that rests on simple things like cataloging, classification, lineage, all of those uh, of the more, I guess, technical and boring elements of data governance. But those are the foundation to unlocking some of that extra value. Very good. Uh, Shotank, anything you'd add to there around a definition and purpose of, of data governance? So uh, from, from my perspective, uh, you know, completely aligned with what Joubert said, what I, the way I just like to explain to customers is the scaffolding you need to have in order to be able to build up uh, you know, reliable and scalable platforms with data, whether you're doing using it for analytics or for AI. And that goes across exactly as Uber said, you know, privacy and security, but also things like quality, being able to figure out where the data is coming from and really ownership and rights as well, which becomes a, you know, when we talk especially about AI and having some of these comparatively black box models, which help you take decisions, being able to understand, you know, what data went into train that and why those decisions came to, et cetera, are large parts of what go into uh, governance. This episode of Cloud Talk is sponsored by Cisco AppDynamics. Technical environments are getting more complex and Cisco AppDynamics is helping to cut through the noise. Their full stack observability solutions help make every tech decision a business decision and keep everyone all on the same page. AppDynamics software enables deeper understanding of both user and application behavior so that your teams can see share and take action all in real time. 
Just go to appdynamics.com to learn more, schedule a live demo, or even start a 15-day free trial to see the difference for yourself that Cisco App Dynamics can make in your mission-critical applications. All right, with that, let's get back to the program. So, so Jaber, you mentioned before that 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 um, that data governance is not so much just a people and process thing, but also being adopted deeply in the engineering side. Why don't you unpack that for a second for us? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, a lot of us have been in the industry of sort of data governance and data management for the last ten years since the advent of big data. Really, even pre-cloud, when you looked at big data and exadata and Cloudera and, and Hadoop and other areas. The idea that you would have to manage data to be able to make it more accessible and to actually properly architect data platforms was starting to become a thing. And at that point, data governance was very much more of a manual piece. It was, okay, how do we catalog data, put business context, things like that, to actually prevent data from being misused? But then it became, we're moving petabytes of data to the cloud. How do you actually ensure that that data isn't falling through any gaps? Right. So actually, more and more, we saw in the sort of late 2017s, 2018s, as customers were moving on mass to the cloud, mm-hmm. a lot of the infrastructure and application governance was leading the charge for moving data or moving infrastructure and workload to the cloud. But data management was this forgotten thing that actually would extend project timeframes for moving to the cloud by an extra six weeks, extra 100% of the timeframe was gone because we didn't understand whether the data we were using for these applications could be moved to the cloud. So it became a necessity. And then more and more, when the scale started erupting as well, we started to say, well, we can't do this with people anymore. We have to have metadata. We have to have a foundational backbone of engineering to help us govern data correctly. And that's why more and more we're starting to see the foundation of data governance being at the point of creation or the point of migration of data. That's the point at which we start understanding what metadata describes that data, what policies need to apply. How do we, at the point of engineering, actually start that that process of data governance. That's excellent. That's excellent. Uh, so as the as you go in and have conversations with companies, and we start to think about how we take that that data governance, how we create that platform of quality information. You know, it's not just about how do we make sure that it is clean, how do we make sure that it's enriched. But Shotank, you mentioned it before, and that you use the word even bias. Uh, and there are a lot of different ways that data can be artificially leaning in one direction or another. And when the data leans that way, the output leans that way. Why don't you maybe unpack that a little bit, Shwetank? Because that foundation of data, it really is that that cement foundation that everything is going to be built on when we when we use an analogy of building a house. Correct. And I mean, if you take if you just take the fact that you know AI has obviously been around for a while, and AI is like a baby which is learning. So you know if for example, if you're learning about what's the difference between a cat and a dog, if a cat, you, if you only have enough data to say anything with four legs is a cat, then a dog becomes a cat. Uh, right. You know, that's a very simple example, obviously. But, you know, as AI gets more advanced and people start to use it to support and answer questions, specifically, you know, we see folks using ChatGPT and using Bing Search to get answers, for example, about where to go, what to do, etc. Um, you know, it starts to become important to understand what has the AI learned and where has it learned it from? For example, you know, if you look at sort of the types of training that has gone into the regular GPD models, it may not uh, include a lot of medical uh, information. So being able to ask it to, for example, recommend what kind of uh, medicine you should get for a particular ailment, is probably not a good idea, but it has been trained very well 
on you know novels and thesis so asking you to write a poem the way let's say donald trump would give a speech is something it's able to do quite well so understanding what data has gone into any of the tools that you're using with you know it's the same question we ask when we look at a graph to say how much has revenue gone up does this include you know this business unit does this include this uh, country um the same sort of questions are things that we need to be aware of when we really look at uh, Uh, you know any output of any analytics or ai that we're consuming and that's why sort of the tooling that that jubair was talking about becomes important because that can't be in today's day and age you know me going and asking jeff jeff what did you put what did you use when you were creating this slide it has to be something that we can you know everyone can go in and transparently look at Yeah, know where that know where that is. So I want to pause for just a second. We've got some uh, amazing folks here in the audience. Of course, Marius from from Montreal, uh, uh, Anaj from India, uh, Amal wants to connect. So, folks, if you guys have any questions for the audience for for my guests here, feel free to to ask them. We'll see if we can get those worked in. But thanks so much, everyone, for being a part of this. Even even Julius from from Dallas, just up the road from me here in San Antonio. So let's talk real quick about when we think about the data. The, the the mountains of data that exist are just gargantuan and so um you know jabber when we were talking before we went live you used even the word automation how does automation fit into this whole process of of governance to help you know take this amount of work that has to happen and make it manageable it fits everywhere if i'm honest jeff even now there's even more things so i would say that there's different levels of automation that we should be looking at and i I'd, mm-hmm. i'd encourage everyone on the call today to start thinking If this is an area of yours, where in the automation cycle you think you are, uh, if you start from the basics of just being able to automate the capture of data dictionaries, the basic understanding of what schemas exist in a database structure, how to extract the schema from a set of JSON files or Avro files or however you structure your data lake, for example, that's the basics, right? That's that's very much where we'd start. But also then how to capture lineage, how to read through store procedures, how to read through you know pipelines of engineering. to pull out where does the lineage come from where does it go all the way through to can we sort of build data models logically or semantically and then automatically extend that across data structures as well um but I, one thing i would absolutely sort of suggest that we look into more is the advent of of ai and the extension of ai really means that nlp becomes a focus so mm. um natural language processing means that data is no longer what we consider data in structured semi structured form but data is everything that sits from this conversation for example yeah. is now hundreds thousand data points that can now be used for ai capture and ai reuse right my own you know at my own sort of inference my own way of speaking here is becoming data that if you wanted to then create a video or create a sort of data set or even a, a text in my language could be used by the ai to infer how i speak and how i use certain mannerisms so this is why you know for for us you know one of the big things that we're looking at as well is not just how to govern data in traditional data estates you know your semi structured sql estates um your data lakes but also across microsoft 365 where you know what exists there your video chats your exchange your emails your teams messages everything like that and that may sound scary to an extent it should be slightly scary yeah. right um there's a fantastic article released by today on on Wired uh with with our CEO Sachin Adela where he yeah. talks about you know AI could very well be the last invention humankind creates right so knowing that and knowing what AI especially GPT-4 can have access to it becomes so important to put ourselves in the position of saying we can control 
what the AI has access to. Um, and how do we do that? Well, we've got to govern what our data means to us to begin with. Oh, you said so many things there I want to unpack, but let's take the last part first. And that is there are a lot of folks who are saying AI is going to bring the downfall of humanity. There are a lot of warning signs right now. In fact, if we take uh, even just what you were saying in the front part of this, and that is when we take and we take the term data and realize that it equates to a lot of different things, not just the words that I'm saying, but the way in which I'm saying it. Or I should tank use the example of, you know, four legged things being a cat. You know, that was a huge advancement in AI not too long ago where it took those individual disciplines, whether it was text or speech or pictures or, or videos, and it said, by the way, let's just classify all that as language. And we consider that as language. In fact, all the metadata around that as language, then we can look at it from a very common viewpoint. And, uh, and it, that's when I think it really gets super important to dig into the, the aspect of um, – of the controls that happen in and around uh, data from a governance point of view, because it gets really important uh, to, to Satya Nadella's point. It could be very much be our last, our last invention. So there's a, uh, Frank asked a really interesting question. He says, how does governance differ for narrow ML or, or machine learning and new generative AI solutions? So this sort of structured versus unstructured. Not sure, not sure which one of you want to grab that one. So maybe I'll, I'll take a first time, but I think, I mean, fundamentally, the the governance processes that we have to put into place are the same. It's just that the challenges tend to be different between the two kinds. Obviously, narrow ML tends to use a lot more structured data. So just from, uh, you know, the, the monitoring and doing quality checks, et cetera, on that, that's somewhat easier. But model transparency and understanding interpretability is a lot more complex when you go to billion parameter models like generative AI, et cetera. So they're actually being able to understand what's happening and how to handle bias and fairness is a lot newer. I'd say is, is where a lot more work is being done, whereas we've done a lot more work on the narrow uh, or sort of the standard ML side of things around around bias and fairness. Um, and the kind of metrics that you would use to monitor and evaluate it are also sort of fairly different. But what you look at from a governance framework perspective is not very different. It's just what you would focus in on and where you would spend your time on is where yeah. it would differ. Got it. All right. So then also, um, Avinash asked the the, the the sage question, what should uh, be the parameters for considering for be considered when evaluating an AI model for security, privacy, ethics, uh, ethics perspective? Uh, is there an industry framework uh, around that? Jabari, any thoughts on that one? Yeah. So I'm personally sort of quite invested in this question because I lead a program called the Cloud Data Management Capabilities, which is an industry collective uh, through uh, an organization known as the, the EDMC, the uh, Enterprise Data Management um, Council. So there's a organization that's around 300 organizations strong, some of the biggest in the world, including Microsoft, Google and AWS. And we've all worked in the last few years on developing and releasing the Cloud Data Management Capabilities Framework, mm -hmm. which talks to the core capabilities for managing data. And then also we're now working on an extension that looks to how do you govern and manage advanced analytics use cases. So there is some commonality. And I think, you know, Shudang, you hit it right. The, the core capabilities, the core requirements for governing data, whether it's exposed to AI or ML or et cetera, is, is, stays the same. That's the underlying data. Then there are the models themselves. And there is a, a sort of a pretty mature framework around model governance when it comes to analytics and ML. 
there isn't necessarily a good framework for model governance around AI. And I think that's what's scaring everyone today. Mm -hmm. It's the idea that the OpenAI ChatGPT are still closed boxes that are managed by a few people and very few people have access to actually go and query the underlying model itself. Right. Uh, we can manage the data around it. And that's what Microsoft is really doing with OpenAI. We are governing the, the, the capabilities around OpenAI and ChatGPT4 to understand how do you tweak what data it can have access to, what type of responses and inferences it can make. That's very useful, but actually the underlying model isn't something that is open and available for everyone to review. So that's the, that's the difficult part. That's the interesting part. And then there's a new sort of area of growing sort of understanding around prompt engineering and prompt governance as well. So how do you actually govern the prompts, the actual questions, the way in which we are interacting with um, the AI to ensure that people aren't skewing it a certain way or aren't potentially uh -huh. preventing it from going a certain way. So, you know, we all, with the advent of AI, will soon become this idea that we are the prompt engineers, that we will all feed that small little piece of our, our sentience into AI. Right. Um, but how do you govern that, right? How do you govern that if 400,000 bad actors suddenly started saying that the right way for government to be run is this way? Um, that you could govern that sort of prompting, and who should, and on, on, on in in the long in the grand scheme of things, right? So lots and lots of big questions to answer that we don't have. You know, the first two things I mentioned: the governance of data, the governance of models, is yeah. okay. But the idea that we govern prompts and do we govern the usage around um, AI and the actual core model itself is, I think, the areas that are slightly less fleshed out. All right, one more quick break from the program. Now, if you've been keeping up with the news this year, you've probably heard that everyone is buzzing about AI. Well, guess what? You can achieve AI success through our transformative process of ideate, innovate, and industrialize. Get ready to revolutionize your business with FAIR, the foundry for AI by Rackspace. At FAIR, we're on a mission to accelerate the secure, responsible, and sustainable adoption of generative AI solutions across all industries. In just three weeks, our Ideate Workshop will empower you to harness the raw power of generative AI. Imagine skyrocketing productivity, driving efficiency, and reimagining business models. This is your chance to take the first step in exploring the untapped potential of generative AI for your organization. In these sessions, our team of experts will meticulously evaluate the intended and unintended consequences of integrating generative AI into your operations. We'll ensure that your data quality and integrity are top-notch, and we'll guide you in embedding your company values, fairness, and ethics into your generative AI governance and operations. Through a series of short sprints, we'll identify the most relevant and impactful generative AI solutions tailored specifically for your business. By the end of the sessions, you'll have a crystal clear understanding of how generative AI can revolutionize your organization and how your business goals can be supercharged by AI. So what are you waiting for? Visit us at fair.rackspace.com to learn more and secure your spot in our generative AI ideation workshop. FAIR, driving innovation, excellence, and unparalleled success in the thrilling world 
of generative AI. Absolutely. And the problem with all that, then, of course, is the fact that they're not flushed out, but the pace continues to move it at, at such a fast fast pace. Um, so, you know, it brings up the question, should there be a pause, not a pause, not uh, the things that we're not necessarily going to answer here, but but it but it it does make a person think. So, Tank, it looks like you had something you want to add on to that. I, yeah, I just want to add that, you know, that is typically, uh, you know, with sort of the enterprise customers who are looking to figure out how to adopt AI, the biggest thing that comes up and what we've been doing is really running these maturity assessments to see, do you actually have the underlying processes and the structure, especially using sort of the CDMC framework that Jabir mentioned as well, uh, from an organizational structure perspective. And that's one of the, the key things that we see customers engaging with right in the beginning of that process. Right. Now, there's a question also that pops in here, and, and Shotank, I think I'd love for you to answer this because it also deals with how you are actively engaging with customers today. And the question is, uh, uh, ML use cases are still grappling with positive ROI in organizations. How can generative AI help pivot these use cases for a better ROI? So I'd love for you to ask answer this question, specifically how Rackspace is helping customers do that today. Now, we're not here to, pit, to pitch Rackspace, but we are actually, as a company, helping companies do this and do it positively. Absolutely. And, you know, I think uh, the, the first thing to highlight there is that as Rackspace, we are eating our own dog food. So we've actually set up a foundry for generative AI for using generative AI within Rackspace. And we're mm -hmm. using that to learn how to do this better. And we've got sort of this uh, ideate, incubate, uh, an industrialized methodology where one of the big things that generative AI has done is really reduced the cycle for how quickly you can actually experiment and figure out whether something is going to be uh, viable and is going to affect you know whatever key metric you're looking at, whether it's revenue, cost, etc. So yeah. what 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 we've been doing is sort of you know doing these sort of two week cycles where we go and take a problem statement, experiment, see whether this is actually achieving the kind of outcome that we expected it to. Because AI is not the only factor in there. There's also obviously organization and you know the quality of the data, etc. That comes in there. We've been doing that. We've been doing that both internally within Rackspace as we are rolling out generative AI for things like internal knowledge management as well as sort of internal IT SM processes, but then also applying the same techniques for customers across the world. Interesting. So so all of this, of course, goes back to great data. That's how we started the conversation. And Jaber, you one of the things you really work on is not necessarily how do we help how do we, how do we define this for people, but how do you invite people to go on the governance journey with them? Why don't you unpack that just a little bit as we we start to get towards the end of our time? Yeah, I, I help a lot of organizations with understanding what their business case for data governance is. Um, I think that's where it starts. It's an idea, it's an understanding that the data governance people, the people in charge of defining what a business case would be, understand the true business questions and outcomes that they're trying to solve. If it, for example, was I need to move lots and lots of cloud workloads or sorry, on-premise workloads to the cloud, and I can't do that until I can solve for this sovereignty problem around my data, then that's exactly it. Let's solve for the sovereignty problem. If you want to solve for a sovereignty problem, you need to have cataloging, classification, and understanding of localization. So we as governance professionals need to understand that um, there is a business case. We need to break down that business case in a way that the organization truly understands what the value of having governance processes in place is. And often we, we struggle to do that. But that's why I often think frameworks like DAMA and, and the CDMC absolutely help you know, organizations understand what is the industry understanding for the following steps that you need to achieve good governance and to solve for, for business value. 
Uh, and that's it. it. It all comes down to business value, whether it's AI, ML, or, or any other problem that, that you point governance towards. It comes down to the, the business value for our challenge. That's right. Don't get too distracted by the shiny tech. And uh, uh, remember that it has to create value for the organization. So uh, last question in closing, and I'm going to give each of you a chance to, to answer this. We do have a limited amount of time. So think about an answer in 30 or 45 seconds. So the question is, with all the AI uh, in, uh, uh, integration in different industries, what do you recommend for workers to be still relevant and valued in their respective fields? So, uh, Shwetank, we'll start with you. Uh, it really is to think of AI, and I like the word Microsoft uses as co-pilot, co because yeah. essentially if you think about using all of these tools as new ways of becoming more productive, 10 years ago it was about how you could get better at searching, now it's about how you get better at using all of this tooling to make your work both higher quality and easier. Excellent. Javier, how yeah, do people save their jobs? 100%. I, I think stay laser focused on the business value. Uh, one thing that AI can't do is is tell you what an organization needs to do to be profitable and and to continue creating value. I think if you do that, the AI is your friend and your tool. Um, if you aren't doing that and you're just sort of trying to repeat what you did yesterday, then it starts becoming your enemy. That's very true. So I'll tell you a quick personal story. My father was a lifer with IBM, spent his whole career there once he, he exited the U.S. Navy. And uh, and in the if you remember, in the, I guess it would have been the 90s, 80s, 90s, is when the mainframe business was really cratering because the, the client server thing was coming along. And uh, my father was always one who dug deeper into technology, stayed close to customers, continued to educate himself, continued to uh, learn more. And he watched all of his contemporaries ultimately get laid off. Uh, and he had a long and fruitful career because he stayed current with the technology, because he stayed close to where that technology was providing value to customers. Obviously, I learned a few things from my my father, Jack, and, uh, and I didn't think he was going to make his way into this podcast or this live stream here today. But... Uh, Jaber and Shwetank, I want to thank you both for being on the program here today. This was one of the more engaging ones, especially from an audience point of view. So audience, we're going to pull another one of these together for next month, and we're going to give you the opportunity in advance to ask questions of, of folks. So watch LinkedIn for those polls to show up for you to submit your questions. But uh, Shwetank and Jaber, Shwetank, thanks for staying up late. And Jaber, you're about the end of your day. So thanks for ending it with us here today. Thanks so much, Jeff. You bet. All right, everybody. So that's going to bring us towards the end of our show here today. I want to remind you that uh, new podcasts are showing up in the podcast stream. So head over and subscribe wherever you find your podcast. You can find Cloud Talk. And if you want to learn anything more about all of the content that we're creating here at Rackspace for free, not selling, is over at Solve. So go over to Rackspace.com slash Solve, and you can learn all about that. Cloud Modernization Summit was just a few weeks ago. That's available for replay on YouTube. You can probably also find it on LinkedIn here as well. Everyone, uh, there we go. We're done with that. So with that, folks, hope you have a great week. We're back here next week. Thursday is the new drop of the latest podcast. I want to encourage you to check that out and watch LinkedIn for the poll questions for our AI event conversation next month so that you can submit your questions ahead of time. Have a great week, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Cloud Talk Live. 
Now here at CloudTop, we strive to help decode the ever-changing world of technology to help you apply it to your business so that hopefully you'll have one more tool in your arsenal to help improve your business and those around you. Now, this was a live event, which happens almost every Tuesday and Thursday at 8.30 a.m. Central Time on the Rackspace LinkedIn, YouTube, and Twitter accounts. Be sure to watch us there and join the conversation live with us. Now, if you haven't already subscribed, I'd encourage you to do so and maybe even give us one of those five-star reviews. These episodes can be found anywhere podcasts are found. Until next time, I'm Jeff DeVerter for Cloud Talk and Cloud Talk Live.